You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, happy Valentine's Day to you and yours. Welcome into Crunch Time here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337 706 0111 that's 706 0111 and here in Acadiana you can watch us on the simulcast stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS fiber got a lot to get to today the Eagles need a new coaching staff outside of Nick Sirianni of course uh the Pelicans winning Surprised? Maybe a little? We'll talk about that. LSU basketball plays tonight against Georgia. We'll preview that matchup and a whole lot more. Let's bring in the producer extraordinaire, my co-host, and a man that even on this Valentine's Day, I don't have a lot of love for, Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? That's just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, look... I have mm-hmm. I have branded myself over this last year because it's almost been a year that we've been on the air. Yes. I have branded myself over this last year as not only a man of the people, but a man that tells the truth. And I'm I'm just spitting mad facts, yo. It's I'm about just... to mute you. <laughs> You're about to get muted for the rest of the segment. Wow. Oh, it's just I'm just in a really good mood today. You're just going to have to let it happen. You're just going to... I get crawfish for dinner. So... No I'm, invite. No. No in. That's crazy. Wow. It's it's not single awareness day. That's just well, hurtful. Oh, too far? Did I go too far? My wow. apologies. I'm sorry, Jim. I'm out of here for this. You're just doing this by yourself. <laughs> I'm all, all on. On my own. On my own. So, top story today. We talked yesterday about Derek Carr and... His conundrum with the Las Vegas Raiders. He has been released just an hour before his contract bonus of $40 million was due to him. That hurts. Not that Derek Carr's really like itching for money, but. I mean, anytime you know that you're an hour away from getting forty million, and they're like, ah, "Psych, <laughs> you're fired," still kind of stings. I mean, it stings no matter what, but there's no doubt he knew that this was oh, going to happen for sure, and, and and it's what he wanted too. He's it ready was, to get out of there. He's it like, was, "It's not about the money at this point." It, it was a mutual decision for for both sides to just kind of go their separate ways. Um, so now Derek Carr has the opportunity to. Pick and choose where he plays football next year. And he has a lot of bidders. We we talked yesterday. There's upwards of nine to ten teams that either need or could use a new quarterback. The New Orleans Saints obviously being one of them, considering there are no quarterbacks under contract other than Jameis Winston, which is widely speculated that he is going to opt out of said contract. 
So the Saints need one. Carolina needs one. A lot of people say Atlanta could use one. Tampa. Tampa's interesting. Because Tom Brady's obviously retired. So you would sit here and go, okay, well, you know, Tampa could use a quarterback. But then I've also heard reports, James, and I'll get your thoughts on this because I've actually never heard you talk about this, young man. There have been reports that the Bucks are kind of confident in Kyle Trask. Really? Because I had heard that they aren't very confident in him. So I, I have heard reports that he has performed well you know, th- those last couple weeks of the season in practice and that they're expecting a good offseason from him and that he could be in the conversation to be their starting quarterback next year, which is interesting. I don't buy it. I don't think he's ready. But there have been some rumblings that that, that could be the case. Then you look around the league, Green Bay, obviously you don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. Widely believe that he doesn't return to Green Bay, but you never know. The Niners could need a quarterback. The Raiders are obviously going to need a quarterback now. The Jets, the Colts, the Texans. There's a lot of teams that need a quarterback. And so Derek Carr is going to have plenty of options. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have plenty of options as well. And then, James, if you look at the hierarchy, you have Derek Carr, you have Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's next? Who's next? Baker? No. Nope. I, I I said this I said this earlier today. I I'm a writer for Canal Street Chronicles and we have a we have a group chat of all the writers and we were talking about this exact situation earlier today and it, it kind of got agreed upon that if you don't get Derek Carr or Jimmy G, draft a rookie. Let him sit for a year. Bring back Andy Dalton. Bring back Dalton, draft a rookie. Dalton's here for one more year, and then you turn it over to the rookie after that first year. I mean, that's a to me, that's a better option than Baker Mayfield. Do I want to see Andy Dalton run this offense for another year? God, no. But what other choice do you have? Baker has proven that he can't do squat in the league. Um, Sam Darnold, I mean, I'd like to see him get a chance, but I don't know that I want to see him get a chance with the Saints. Who else? Maybe you go get Zach Wilson. I don't know. <laughs> I mean. Sam Darnold? Well, I mean, I, I just said Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah. but you said Sam. Again, I said yesterday that I'd like to see him get a chance because I don't think he's been given a fair shake in the NFL. But I just don't know that I want to see it with New Orleans. But, and, and some people have thrown around going get Drew Locke from Seattle. And, like, no, no. No. But, you know, looking at some other top stories, we talked about the, the Eagles needing new coordinators. Offensive coordinator Shane Steichen will be the new Colts head coach, while defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon has been hired by the San uh, the San Francisco Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals as their new head coach. Uh, James, are you impressed by either one of these hires? I think they were pretty solid. It's just it sucks for Philly 
Because well, now, you, now you've lost two major coordinators. And the Super Bowl. Yeah. you. I mean, Philly's down bad right now. But cry, Eagles cry. I don't know necessarily how I feel about the fit with the Cardinals. That one, that one seems a little weird to me. I've always been, I'm, I'm always one to want to have the head coach, especially when you have a young, talented quarterback like Kyler Murray. Yeah, I'd rather go with someone who's a little more offensive minded. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's an interesting idea to bring in a, a, a guy like Jonathan, like you just mentioned. When you have Kyler, you have a young offense with with guys James Conner, Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore. You know, you'd want to bring in a, an offensive mind to to kind of continue that ideology. But again, you you bring in a, a defensive coordinator or former defensive coordinator as your new head coach. So now the question's gonna become, who does he bring in? to run the offense. Because if he doesn't bring in a great offensive mind to run the offense, I feel like the Cardinals would be right back where they were. Right? If you don't bring in the right offensive mind to to work with a guy like Kyler, aren't you going to be in the same situation that you were in with Cliff? And everybody just thought that that was just so horrible. And you're going to be right back there. So now that you've got the head coach, great, fine and dandy, who he hires as his offensive coordinator is going to be the most important move of the offseason. Because you have to get that right now. If you have an offensive-minded coach, it doesn't really matter who your offensive coordinator is because your head coach can still run the offense called the place. But if you're getting a defensive guy, you have to have the right OC for that to work. So interested to see what... Arizona will do. Looking at some more top stories, Aaron Rodgers has begun his state of darkness for the next four. What a what a weird cat. What a, what a what a weird guy. I'm just what I'm curious to see. James, are teams going to wait for him? I know free agency, you know, you can't sign a contract until March 15th. But are teams really going to be willing to go, yeah, I'm not going to have a conversation with anybody until I find out what Aaron Rodgers is doing? I think initially that's going to happen. But after a certain point, if it's taken a while, they're just going to move on and be like, so, I'm just going to go find a place. So how long does does he have, you think? Two weeks? A couple of weeks. Two weeks? Like that that seems about right. End of the month? Two, three, maybe a month, like if, if you wanna if you wanna be really patient. But it's like at a certain point, if you're Jimmy G and you still haven't seen where Aaron Rodgers is gone, same thing with Derek Carr. It's like right, we're like we're I'm, middle of April about to hit the OTAs are about to start. We're like we're about to hit um the draft. It's no. like I I gotta find my spot, bud. No, I don't got I don't got time for you. We're in April. Right after the draft is OTAs, so I mean you're gonna have to figure something out. Um, you at so least want to get familiar with with a team's regimen, correct? With with their play calling, correct. Um, so very interested to see what he will learn about himself in in this four day darkness retreat. What whatever. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna judge anybody based on on what they do, uh, but the MLB announced some new rules 
the other day as well, including James enlarged bases for enlarged. Yeah, they're going to be bigger. Mm. Interesting for for player safety because guys were getting like their ankles rolled up on and stuff because there was it was such a tight space between the base runner and the first baseman and situations like that. So the bases are enlarged now. Oh, oh, because like the guy. The left foot would be over for the first baseman. Correct. They might end up... Okay. So the bases are going to be longer and wider. Uh, 18 by 18, I believe, is is the size that they are now. And uh, So what, you would move it to like 20 by 20? No, no, no. The 18 by 18 is the new size. Oh, it would be the new size. I think they were 14 by 14. Uh, 15 square inches to 18 square inches. Hmm. And... Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager, said that they looked like pizza boxes. With how big they are. Yeah, they, they look like pizza boxes. That's I, I find that really funny. And then the MLB also agreed on yesterday that the ghost runner in extra innings would be a permanent rule going forward. I hate that rule. When you go into extra innings... The team that bats first gets an automatic runner on second base. Or, or the team that bats gets an automatic runner on second base. So say you're the home team. You go to extra innings. Top of the 10th, you give up no runs. And then bottom of the 10th, first guy comes up, hits a single. That runner from second goes home to score. Game's over. I get the point of trying to speed games up because people are talking about how long they are and you know, you're not or at least see, a little more offense because right. it's it's kind of feast or famine. Like, oh, we're getting a bunch of home runs, or everybody's getting ground outs and fly outs. What you're not going to see is 18 in games anymore. But it's just like, man. The question is, why put him in scoring position automatically at second? Why right, not? Why not put it at first? Like, if you're going to give a ghost runner, put him at, at first. Least, at least make him earn it. I mean, God, at second base, scoring anything in the outfield is going to score him. Nine times out of ten, anything to the outfield scores them. So it's just, or or or, or hell, if you if you got a fast guy on second base, just send two pop ups to center field and right, he just tags. Whoop, done. Like like whether it's a deep single or a couple of flyouts, like he, one one ghost runner, like you put your fastest guy on the team, right, just to go run, and so you're. I, I get the, the speeding it up aspect of it, but I just I don't like that rule. I feel like that that's an easy way to just win the game. Because with both teams doing it, well, either way, I mean, sure, it's a faster pace, but yeah. the game's still going to take a while yep. to end and resolve. For sure. You've already played long enough. You're nine innings. Now you're playing extra innings, and they're going to continue because you put a ghost runner automatically there, so you're more likely not going to have at least one run each inning. Yep. No, for sure. Uh, we've got audio from Cajuns baseball and Cajuns softball as well to get to today, including hearing from Kim Mulkey following their loss to South Carolina on Sunday. We'll do all that and much more on today's Crunch Time next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Join us for a day of golf and giving at the game charity Golf Scramble, benefiting Redbird Ministries, sponsored by Courtesy Bro Bridge. 
Hit the link at Farm D Alley while supporting a great cause with all proceeds from the tournament going towards Redbird Ministries' mission of serving families who have been given the extraordinary cross to carry the loss of a child. In addition to 18 holes of golf, the day will include great prizes, food, drink, and a great day with the staff at both the game and Courtesy Bro Bridge. So gather your friends and colleagues for a fun day on the course while making a difference in the lives of those in need. Get your foursome together now and register at 1037thegame.com. Together, we can make a difference. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 422 here on this Valentine's Day edition of Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. That's 706-0111. Diamond Sports getting underway in college baseball and softball. Yesterday, Jerry Glasgow and Matt Deggs met with the media, and Jerry Glasgow started it off talking about his softball team going 4-0 and on the weekend, and he gave his thoughts on the sweep. I thought it was a good opening weekend for us, especially when you look at the six games we got ahead of us, seven games ahead of us on this road trip, <clears throat> just to get going and get our blood pumping and get the kids a feel for the college game. Um, it, it was a, a good weekend for us. The crowd was amazing on Friday night in a really kind of cold, wet, damp weather, and we still had a huge crowd and an enthusiastic, good crowds throughout the weekend. So that was fun, fun, fun environment. Uh, as far as our team, uh, thrilled with the, with really the aspects that we could see of it. I was really thrilled. Um, I thought the pitching was really good. And the catching was good. Um, I thought the hitting was good, and then I would have liked to have seen us had, you know, more opportunities on defense to look at different things, but that'll come soon enough on this road trip. Looking at the freshman class, you know, he talked about Maya Davis and the impact that she would be able to have on the 2023 season. However, she suffered an injury in game one Friday night, and Coach Glasgow offered an update on her condition. Uh, we did have one injury in the first game of the year. <clears throat> We've lost uh, Maya Davis to a hand injury for a, f- a few weeks, and uh, uh, hopefully she'll be able to still be able to come in and pinch run for us, but she may be limited. And uh, hopefully it won't be a long, a long-term recovery thing. It was uh, a hand injury that they seem to have hope that we could get her back in a month. So um, that's tough, tough for a young lady to. Worked that hard from August till now, and you know, been committed to the Cajun since eighth grade. So I hate it we lose her the very first game of the year, and and I hate it for our fans because she's such an exciting player to watch. But that was the um, other than that, we come out of the weekend uh, healthy, and the pitching staff um, in really good shape to go forward. And um, I thought that it was a good opening weekend. James Mesh, did you hear that correctly? Maya Davis has been committed to the Cajuns since she was in the eighth grade. What? How good do you have to be to for, be committing to a program? Right. And not and not just a program. 
rate Louisiana softball is a powerhouse. Yeah. They are always a top 25 team. You committed to a top 25 team as an eighth grader? Still in middle school, and they're like, oh, that's wild. Come on down. That is wild. We'll be ready for you. We'll have a spot for you. Switching over to baseball now. Matt Deggs getting his team ready to defend their Sunbelt Conference Championship. They're traveling to Rice this weekend to start the season, and he gave his opening thoughts on the season as well as announced his starting rotation for opening weekend. Finally, game week is here. Uh, 26 really good spring training practices, and and uh, feel like we're ready to play somebody in a in a different uniform uh, for sure. I know our guys are excited. Uh, everybody's in great shape uh, for the most part. Thank the Lord and raring and ready to go. Uh, I do have our rotation. I'll go ahead and announce that to you guys. Uh, Jake Hammond will go on Friday. Probably no surprise. Blake McGeehy will go after him on Saturday. And then Jackson Nezu. And uh, we'll take it from there. So Blake Jake Hammond will go on Friday. Blake McGeehy, the Ole Miss transfer, will go on Saturday. And Jackson Nezu, the Florida State transfer, We'll round it out on Sunday. Coach Deggs went in depth on each of these pitchers and why he chose them to be in the starting rotation. Well, Jake has been very dependable over the course of two years. He's a team captain and and, uh, handles his business on and off the field. Uh, He's probably pound for pound one of our best competitors. Uh, And he's got three really good pitches. It's a heavy fastball. uh, And he's got a couple other pitches that complement it and he's going to pound the strike zone. Uh, McGee is uh, a guy that's kind of a dark horse, but not really. Uh, had, you know, big plans coming out of high school to Ole Miss and just doesn't get uh, his footing, so to speak. And, and uh, But the stuff is there. He comes from great lineage. Uh, his dad pitched and played for a long time. Uh, he's a shortstop that pitches. Uh, he was a shortstop at the lower levels, and so he's super athletic, has a great feel and great tempo uh, with a multiple-pitch uh, arsenal or repertoire. Uh, and then Nezu was highly thought of coming out of high school, obviously, goes to Florida State. It's a good arm. It's a good fastball with a good slider and change, and, and he knows how to navigate a lineup. Uh, that I've seen so far. So this is the way we're starting. Doesn't mean this is the way we're going to end. But I like those three guys going out first. There's there's something about baseball season. You know, I'm a big football guy, so I really like, you know, when August comes and and you get into September and, and down into the winter because that's when the, the heat of the football season is. But, man, when football season ends and you, you get into early, mid-February and you start hearing the crack of a, of a baseball bat again, it's just different. I, I don't know what it is about baseball for me, but peanuts, bats, and then the sound of the ball hitting the glove – Dude, nothing better. I love baseball season. You know what I always enjoyed when I played baseball? Either during or after the game, getting an icy. 
Yes, or <laughs> snow cones. Love. Icy snow cone, whatever. Like, be like, hey, mom. Oh, yeah. Mom, can you give me a burger from the concession stand? No. Dude, I remember one time, I don't know why, I got so hungry during a game, I had my mom bring me a burger, like, in the middle of the game. Yeah. Like, yo, slide it through the dugout. Like, I'm going to eat it it's right same, here. It's the same thing with Icy. Yeah, I'm going to eat it right here. Like, uh, don't hold it for me till the end of the game. Give it to me right now. I'm hungry. Oh, man. I, just, I mean, I get hungry a lot. That's not a surprise. But I don't know. Mom, even, I need that extra juice. I even, need to hit it over the fence. Even Skinny Matt got hungry all the time. Uh, maybe, maybe maybe that's why Skinny Matt turned into not-so-skinny Matt. That's <laughs> why so he's no longer with us. <laughs> we'll take a timeout. Nowhere Frary joins us next. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at a goner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Four games to go in the 2022-2023 regular season for Sunbelt Basketball. The Cajuns, after dropping two straight on the road, they return home to play ULM on Thursday night, looking to get back on track before they head back out on the road to play James Madison. Noah Frary, the host of the Frary and Smith podcast, he's also an ESPN Plus commentator for the Sunbelt, joins us here on the game hotline. Noah, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Hey, Matt, always enjoy being on the show and uh, definitely glad to, to get back and talk uh, some Sunbelt basketball. So, you know, looking at the Cajuns first, they, they go on the road to Hattiesburg last Thursday in, in a game that was highly, highly touted as, as you know, the battle for first place in, in the conference. And it was a great first half. Cajuns went into the break leading by five. And then I make the joke that in the second half, the Boston Celtics leprechaun just kind of sat in the Cajuns' rim and didn't let them score. Yeah, no, man. Let me give a shout-out, though, to uh, the Southern Miss fans down in Hattiesburg, kind of first and foremost. There are 8,097 fans in attendance for that one. I know that uh, I, I stirred up some Southern Miss fans during uh, football season, so they were chirping at me about how good of an atmosphere that was to give them some credit. But, yeah, this Louisiana team looks really good. Um, you've got, you know, Junior Jordan Brown, Greg Williams Jr., you know, both inside the top ten scoring right now in the Sun Belt. Uh, they have the pieces uh, to make a run at this Sun Belt tournament. Uh, but, yeah, as you said earlier, too, this is a big stretch of games for them. You really you, – you've got to win that ULM game. Uh, you'd love a good result on the road to James Madison, and then you've got to take care of business against Arkansas State and South Alabama down the stretch. But – that's not going to be easy. I mean, South Alabama right now is one of the, the hottest teams, and it's going to be fun to watch that game on ESPN2 to wrap up the regular season. You know, right now it, it's kind of complicated because there's so many tiebreakers with, with the way that seeding for the tournament gets decided. Because if you look at the standings, Louisiana's listed as third because Marshall has one more overall game than the Cajuns do. But the Cajuns have the same conference record as Marshall and – have beaten Marshall. So, you know, how does, how does that kind of work in terms of tournament seating? Hey, you know, oftentimes I don't even try to understand that stuff. I just wait for the, uh, the final bracket to come out. But, you know, I think really when it comes down to Louisiana, I mean, we just talked about the schedule. They've got to take, take care of business down the stretch. That's a very good Marshall team, um, you know, that has probably, you know, the best player in the Sun Belt this year in Tavion Kinsey, um, who's just been outstanding. So, 
Louisiana's really just got to take care of business. Uh, and, you know, I like their chances down the stretch here. I, I wouldn't even worry about Marshall at this point. Uh, you know, ultimately the top four teams uh, get buys, and I think that's really what you're gunning for because at that point you're, you're not going to play in those first two rounds, which really gives you a leg up in potentially, um, you know, winning a Sunbelt championship in two weeks. And, you know, flipping over to the women's side for real quick, I know you're going to be doing the women's tournament in two weeks down in Pensacola. Looking at the remaining schedule for the Cajuns, they're going to be on the road this weekend at ULM and then at Arkansas State before coming home to play Texas State and Southern Miss. Gary Broadhead's team currently sitting in fifth. We just talked about the top four seeds getting that double bye so how important is it for the Cajuns to you know, use the momentum they got with the 10-point win over South Alabama and keep it rolling, maybe get three out of the last four in order to maybe get one of those top four seats? Yeah, I think they have to get three out of the last four. And, you know, I'm looking, you know, my notes as I was kind of getting ready for this call and even for the tournament, I've got Louisiana as a team right now, Matt, that is kind of a sleeper. I mean, we've all heard the mantra, uh, defense wins championships, and, and that's something that under Gary Broadhead in the last several years, that has been their calling card. Uh, they're the second-best defense in the league yet again. Um, you know, in Louisiana, they've won eight out of their last 11 games. Um, so they're playing some of their best basketball. It's never going to be this you know, very pretty style of basketball, high-scoring basketball, but they find ways to win games. And when you look at Louisiana, man, they played, they played Troy within one point this year. They also played them into overtime. Um, they played James Madison, who arguably is the second-best team, if not the best team in the Sun Belt on the women's side this year, just to a six-point game up in Harrisonburg. So um, this is a Louisiana team, Matt, that I really feel like is primed here at the end of the year. And, you know, like you said, you have to take care of business. ULM's a little bit better this year, but still towards the bottom of the league. Arkansas State just took out the number one seed, Troy, two, you know, two games ago. And then Texas State's pretty good, and Southern Miss has – probably one of the best players in the conference in Dominique Davis. So it's not easy, but, um, you know, in order to get into those top four seeds, the road never is easy. You know, chatting with Noah Freire, looking at Troy, it's interesting. You, we talked about the, the one-point overtime loss where the Cajuns were down 11 with a minute 24 to go, tied the game up, forced overtime. After that game, I heard somebody say that this season it appears that Troy isn't as Troy as they normally are. You know, yeah, I mean, do, do you agree with I that? I think that would be fair to say. Um, you know, I mean, Troy, they've definitely dealt with some injuries this year. I mean, Thelmas Karanga hasn't played, um, you know, much this season due to injury. Um, they've got some really nice pieces, though, who can who can really fill it up. And, you know, they have to be considered the favorite. I mean, they are the arguably the best offense in the Sun Belt right now. Uh, defensively, I don't know if they're as good as maybe they've been in years past. Um, but And they're just not as experienced of a unit. They've got a couple of really nice pieces, don't get me wrong. Uh, but is Troy beatable? Absolutely. And, you know, really, you know, I think the biggest talking point for me as we start to look ahead to Pensacola in two weeks is the parity on the women's side. I mean, you've got Troy, James, Madison, Texas State, Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and Louisiana all separated by two games of themselves. So, Nothing is decided yet, and down the stretch here in these last two weeks, uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun before we get to Pensacola two weeks from today. Going back to the men's side, you know, obviously everybody talks about Southern Miss, Marshall, Louisiana as as kind of being the the three top teams in the conference, but then right behind them in the standings is James Madison, that first year one of the first new members of the Sun Belt. 
They've had a very strong year. Harrisonburg has been a very tough place for teams to go and try and get a victory. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the Dukes? I mean, the Cajuns travel up there this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the Dukes have proved that they're one of the better teams in the Sun Belt, particularly early on in the season and in non-conference play. They were putting up, you know, ungodly numbers scoring the basketball. They've kind of slowed down a little bit uh, since then, but they've got the weapons, again, to make a run and, and certainly make things challenging for Louisiana. I think what's great for the Sun Belt is you look at the, the new additions to the league, the Southern Misses, the James Madisons, the Old Dominions. All three of them are in the top five in the league in, in basketball right now. You've got you know, all three of those teams are at least receiving votes in the mid-major poll. So the addition of those teams has made this league so much deeper, and I think it's created a lot more excitement around basketball. We've seen record crowds, particularly from some of those new schools. So, um, you know, it certainly isn't easy to play up in Harrisonburg, you know, no matter what sport uh, it is. I mean, ask Coastal Carolina in football. But, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun this year, and there's a lot of good basketball being played around the league. You know, looking at the lower echelon of the of the standings, you know, from really from Troy down, is there a team in that realm that you're looking at as, you know, two weeks in Pensacola, they could really make a run and make things interesting? Yeah, I think Georgia Southern is always interesting. You know, a little bit just above Troy is that old Dominion team. They're kind of the sleeper right now for me on the men's side. I mean, they've won three games in a row. They're up to eight and six now in conference play. But I think Georgia Southern's interesting. Obviously, App State won the tournament a couple of years ago, so you can never count them out and, and the, the coaching staff up there. Um, you know, and like I said, I mean, the one thing that we've seen this year in Sunbelt basketball is it's been very unpredictable, both on the men's and the women's side. Uh, you know, particularly on the men's side, it feels like on an almost nightly basis, there would be something that maybe we would consider an upset. And, you know, it further just lends credibility to the fact that right now the Sun Belt is just one of two men's basketball conferences where every team in the conference has more than 10 wins. And the only other one is the one that most people are calling the best conference in the country, the Big 12. So definitely not comparing those two leagues, but from a perspective of quality of basketball and tightness inside the league, uh, you don't get much better than Sun Belt men's basketball right now. As we start to wrap up, Noah, we talked earlier about Tavion Kinsey in the season that he's had four games to go. People are obviously going to start talking about, you know, first team all conference, coach of the year, player of the year. Right now, if you had to pick Tavion Kinsey or Jordan Brown, who's the Sunbelt player of the year? Man, I, I would love to play to your audience right now, but I, I feel like Tavion Kinsey has done enough to deserve that. I mean, the guy has been an absolute scoring uh, machine this year. He's putting up 588 points. I mean, that's almost 100 more points than Jordan Brown right now. He's just been that good. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why NBA scouts are starting to take notice of his game and, and, you know, why he could be someone in years to come that maybe we're watching go to the league. Uh, he's been that good, but uh, Jordan Brown certainly is playing some of his best basketball down the stretch and, and, and definitely a force to be reckoned with. Noah Frary, host of the Frary and Smith podcast works with the Sun Belt and the ACC. Noah, appreciate your time as always. Enjoy Pensacola in a couple of weeks, and uh, we'll have you on again to uh, to preview that tournament. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Always enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the show. You guys keep doing what you're doing. And there he goes. Noah Frary, what a great conversation that was, talking all things Sun Belt basketball. Let's look at our poll question of the day. The Pelicans got a big win last night. However, kind of overshadowed a little bit by the Zion Williamson news. Zion Williamson going to be out 
long term. If you listened to Jordy Holberg, the Jordy Holberg show when he had Ali Cassell on a little while ago, Ali Cassell said, don't be surprised if Zion doesn't come back till April. So with that being said, what should the expectation be for the remainder of the season for the New Orleans Pelicans? Top four seed? Top six seed? The play-in tournament? So far, 55.7% of you say earn a top six seed. 26% say make the play-in. And 18% say earn a top four seed. Mr. Green said top six is the goal. Top four is Lanyop. Um Talking about Baker Mayfield as well. Baker Mayfield is too much drama. Salty Steve says, without Zion, the Pels couldn't make the donuts, much less the playoffs. I see another number one overall wasted in NOLA. Stop picking injured players before they come to the NBA. John Paul says, top four seed is not at all out of the question. Unless Zion and BI keep getting hurt, then you got to look at top six. Ralph says, just depends on their health. If Zion's hammy doesn't stop hanging out with Mike Thomas's toe, we may never see their ceiling. That's that's really good. Ralph, well done. Ralph always comes out with bangers. Ralph, well, well done. That's that's a good one. If Zion's hammy doesn't stop hanging out with Mike Thomas's toe, we may never see their ceiling. That's that's really, really good. We'll take a time out, wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game is throwing you something far better than cheap plastic beads this Mardi Gras. Score a $500 Visa gift card. Just download the game mobile app, open the app, and click on the Mardi Gras Moolah tab and you'll be well on your way to winning a $500 Visa gift card. It's the game's Mardi Gras moolah sweepstakes. Download the app, win money. It's just that simple, and it's all from the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, Matt. I think we we can easily say, and you had mentioned it before, that at this point, Pat Mahomes, mm. within the first five years, you you said... Hall of Famer. Hall of Fame. And I can't disagree with you. The only real argument against him is it, it's only been five years that he's been, a saw, that, that he's been a starter. And that's a pretty weak argument, and I have a little bit... Of arguments to go with ours. Ooh, do you have some statistics? I do have some t- statistical numbers. I love statistics. There's some pretty WTF stats because this is ridiculous. Okay. How good Patrick Mahomes is. Okay. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to lead the league in passing yards and win the Super Bowl in the same season. Really? That's is never you? happened before? No. I know, as crazy as okay. it sounds, no. Patrick Mahomes is 14-9, including the playoffs when trailing by 10-plus points. No other quarterback has a winning percentage over 40% when trailing by 10-plus. Okay. Patrick Mahomes is the first player to win MVP and the Super Bowl in the same season since 1999. I believe the last one to do it was Kurt Warner. Yes. Okay. The Chiefs are the first team to win 
the opening coin toss and win the Super Bowl since 2013. That's just more of a team thing, which that was brought up earlier in the week I before saw, the Super Bowl. I saw that statistic because when the Eagle, when the Chiefs won the toss, I saw a tweet. It was like, oh, Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Last eight teams that have lost the toss end up winning the game. Yep. Seahawks lost, Panthers lost, Falcons lost, Patriots, Rams, 49ers, Chiefs when they played the Bucks, yep. and then the Bengals last year. But the yep. Chiefs this year. They broke the streak. They broke the streak. They're just that good. Patrick Mahomes in 2022 was, he had won the regular season MVP. Mm-hmm. He won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He led the NFL in passing touchdowns and passing yards. Mm-hmm. Only three players have done that in their career, in a whole career what Pat Mahomes did in one season, and that includes Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and the aforementioned Kurt Warner. The Chiefs in the second half of the Super Bowl. This one was just crazy. If you look back at the game itself, they had no turnovers. Mm-hmm. They had no punts. Correct. They had no penalties against them. Correct. Which they, is wild. That all that offensive line did not give up a single sack. They also, they didn't give a whole, up a whole sack the whole game. Yeah, best, best defensive line my ass. One completion all half in the second half. And then they scored on every single drive. They And that is why I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. This was one of the greatest Super Bowl performances by a quarterback. Look, everybody can talk about, oh, he only threw for 200 yards, whatever. The dude only had six incompletions. I mean, what 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 do you? He threw four touchdown passes, three touchdown passes. What 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 more do you want? And he also ran for fifty yards on a high ankle sprain. Yeah, including that twenty six yard scramble. Come on. Looking more at the whole career his for him in the five years as a starter for Patrick Mahomes, he's mm-hmm. now won two Super Bowls. Correct. Both of them, he gets the MVP in those Correct. Super Bowls. He's got two NFL MVPs overall. He's appeared in three Super Bowls and has made it to five AFC Championship games. So every year he's been a starter, they've been in the title game. Yep. That's wild. And then three out of the five times, they've made the two Super Bowl, won right. two of them in the two that they won. He's been the MVP. And then overall he's had five Pro Bowls, of course, three All-Pros, the NFL Offensive Player of the Year, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs overall have won at least 12 games each year. That's wild. And it's funny because you were talking about it. The the defense for the Eagles, Patrick Mahomes facing the second most sacks in a single season in NFL history with the Eagles. The Chiefs' offensive line gave up zero whole sacks in the game. And since 2009, only once. This one's more a little more interesting. If you really think about it, we talk about the running back position. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's it's kind of like a dime a dozen almost. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that there's a lot of value there. You could just always find someone else. You don't necessarily want to pay $16 million to a running back. I know they're very versatile. I know they could do a lot. But do you necessarily want to pay them a whole bunch of money? Because you look at it, since 2009, 2009 only once has the leading rusher on the winning team of the Super Bowl made over $2 million base salary. Leonard Fournette was up there, wasn't he? He was right at two. Right at two. Who's the highest? Who was the one that was paid over? Uh, For some reason, they're counting Percy Harvin for this. Yeah, when he played for Seattle. 
Yeah. Yeah, he was the leading rusher. He was in that the leading Super Bowl. rusher in that whole game. They did a bunch of end arounds. Really? Yeah, he was the leading I rusher that, in that I, game. I don't. I turned that one off since it was such a blowout. Yeah. No, he he did he did. They they ran a bunch of end arounds and there I think there was one where he got thirty something yards. That's funny. On it. So yeah, he he actually ended up being the leading rusher in that game. Which is, which is wild to think about when a wide receiver. A wide receiver. That's what I'm saying. I was so. Your, conf- I'm like, wait, Percy Harvin. I yeah, had to no. read that over. He. Again, you run a bunch of end arounds and you you bust one of them, and also had a ninety yard kick return touchdown to start the Correct. second half. Correct. So, man, those stats are crazy. But look, I said it yesterday. Measure him for his gold jacket now, and just have it hanging, just have it waiting. I mean the the dudes the dudes a hall of famer. You will never change my mind. He could he could have to have an arm amputated tomorrow, never play football again, and you're putting him in Canton. I mean, just he, you're putting him in Canton. He has done in five years what most guys never do in a career. And has he shown you any sign that he's slowing down? He's entering. He is entering his prime. I want you to think about that. You haven't even seen peak Patrick Mahomes yet. The NFL is going to be. Sc- Gary, for years to come with Patrick Mahomes under center. Boy, does he have some competition, though. He does. In the AFC. He's got some big guys coming. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. You, you've you got Herbert. a lot of... Herbert, you've got a lot of competition. But, man, Mahomes is different. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We're going to talk more college basketball. And Brendan Ertle joins us here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James, I just read a tweet that we're going to get into because it's interesting. We talked about quarterbacks and, and who was kind of available and where we thought people were going to go and things of that nature. There has been news circulating all day about Ryan Tannehill possibly going to the Jets. But we just got word from our insider from the Tighten Up Network. And it says as follows. The Jets are willing to trade two 2023 draft picks. Doesn't specify what round, just says two draft picks. <laughs> just like two seventh rounders. Okay. For him, as well as take on his full contract. Well, there's only one year left, so it's like... Yeah, but it's like $40 million. 27 base. <laughs> yeah. So after bonuses, like 35 About so. Yikes! For Ryan Tannehill! The dude was a wide receiver in college! Look, I'm not a big fan of Ryan Tannehill. He was Johnny Manziel's number one target! <laughs> think, think about that! Oh my god. Oh. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a fan of Ryan Tannehill by any stretch. But 
He's a he's a better option than hey, Zach Wilson. Hey, remember a couple years ago when we were watching our quarterback catch passes from Johnny Manziel? Oh, what a what a time to be alive. Notice how Ryan Tannehill has by no means been like I'm willing to restructure. No. And that's the that's the thing. Cause remember remember back in his rookie year? I remember weren't they the uh, Hard Knocks team, mm-hmm. the Dolphins, weren't they? For I believe 20, they were, yeah. Thir- twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. I believe they were. And right, and, and the whole thing, like for a while, was Ryan Tannehill refused to like come to an agreement with the Dolphins because he just wanted a bunch of money because he was a pretty high draft pick. Feels like this, is like kind of continuing. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I get the Jets have money. And you know that it's New York and all of this stuff, but do you really want to take on thirty five? I understand it's for a year, and like you're only gonna pay it once and whatever. But for Ryan Tannehill, now if you were a saying, guy that a guy that's only like a solid to good QB. Like is, when is Derrick Henry's running for 200 yards. Is, is he a sizable upgrade from Zach Wilson? I know you hate Zach Wilson, but let's be thoroughly honest with ourselves. Let me look at my tier list. Is Ryan Tannehill leaps and bounds better than Zach Wilson? No. So I have Zach Wilson in my F tier of okay. quarterbacks. Tannehill is middle of the pack in D. So no. <laughs> so the answer is no. No. Not worth $35 million. What are you paying Zach Wilson? Nine? Ten? It's it's pretty high since he was the number two overall pick. But it's not as much there's, as Zach Wilson. There's no I mean, way. No way that that is worth it. And if I'm, if I'm New York, I'm saying, look, Ryan, thanks, but no thanks. See ya. Now, another thing that I brought up or, or I wanted to bring up that I saw... We've, we talked about the Super Bowl quite a bit lately. I mean, yesterday, we talked about how McKinnon had that run in the fourth quarter around the edge where the Eagles were going to let him score, but he decided not to. There's a post here that says, and it's the picture of McKinnon sliding down at the one. James, you'll like this. It says, Jarek McKinnon could have spent the rest of his life telling his children and grandchildren about the time that he scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I'm sure he has dreamed of that moment since he was a child, and knows he may never get the opportunity again. However, with a minute left, he chose to sacrifice that accomplishment to better the chances that all of his teammates get a ring. I will forever be a Jarek McKinnon fan after what just happened on Sunday. It's true. The guy could have just waltzed into the end zone and said, oh, I got to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. That would have only put you up seven. Or, and you would have, and you would have or, left, or maybe even six, and you would have left almost two minutes. Correct. And there three was like timeouts. There was like one forty something left at that point. Like there would have been plenty of time for the Eagles to give themselves a, a really good chance at tying the game, or if or, they really want to go, go for two, going for two, which they had already been successful on. Yeah, and win the game. That one, that two point conversion did take a second effort by Hertz to get in, though. It did. It did. But which one's which one's cooler? Oh, I got to score in a Super Bowl, or I won or a Super Bowl. Look, look, this shiny little ring I got. Hey, kids, check it. Like, 
obviously it'd be so cool to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, but like now, now you want it. And now you look like a, a selfless beast because you did what was better for the team rather than what was better for yourself. So props to Jarek McKinnon. Love that. Um, let's talk about the Pelicans in depthly, shall we? Uh, the Pelicans picking up a 103 to 100 win over the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. OKC not having a great year. And I say that they're not far off from where the Pelicans are uh, 27 and 29. Now, Brandon Ingram, 34 points on the night on 14 of 24 shooting. I swear every game. And, and I know this is going to sound kind of cliche and kind of like, well, no, duh, Matt. But every game that Brandon Ingram plays since coming back from injury, the better and better he gets. Really, Matt? I, I, I know. That's crazy. Know, but, like, it's it's true. He, he looks fantastic. Put him in the All-Star game. Put him in Zion's place. Let's go to the hotline. T, what's up? Hey, what's up, Matt? How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, first of all, happy Valentine's Day to all you listeners out there. Hope everyone has a good and safe evening. And um, I'm out to check you on something you just said, man. Okay. All right. Uh, about the guy that slid out of bounds. You uh-huh. know, him being able to show his grandchildren a little ring. What was that? A little ring. You know how big them Super Bowl rings are? Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Okay, well, just have to check you on that. No, no. Oh, I know. No, there. And and, and Ralph kind of, no, he didn't steal my my thunder at all. But do um, Zion and Mike have the same agent or do? I don't. I don't think Zion has an agent. Oh, that's right. I think it's his family, right? Yeah, I, th- I think his family handles his business for him. Well, shoot! I think everybody ought to get their agents when you can sit at home, watch TV, be right. with your girlfriend, your wife, or whatever, and whoop, right, right. Two years and not play. That's awesome. Yeah, and no. still get paid. Yeah, and, and and not and not paying your agent. Yeah, that's great. Right? It's a it's a it's a win win for Zion. I'm telling you. <laughs> Appreciate anyway, you, T. Guys, I hope you have a good evening. Y'all be careful out there. Appreciate you, man. You as well. Uh, but it, it's true though. Think about it. You, if you're Zion Williamson, you're still making his your, agent's Austin Brown. So he does have an agent. Yes. When did that happen? Because I want to say at one point, he didn't have an agent. So that's interesting. Because I, I didn't He's realize... the agent for 29 players? Okay. Including Miles Turner, D'Angelo Russell, Donovan Mitchell. Interesting. Jaron Jackson Jr. and a bunch of others. Interesting. I didn't realize Zion had an agent. Including Seth Curry. Seth, not Steph. Yes, Seth. Okay. The other. The other Curry. Curry. Yeah. The 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 forgotten Curry. Right. Especially since he's on the Nets. Poor guy. Uh, he's so good. He's just he's he's almost as good as his brother, but like 
nobody cares about them because Steph did it first. But, you know, again, looking at some of the statistics from the Pelicans' win last night, the Pelicans shot 53% from the field, 30% from downtown. They were actually out-rebounded by 10 by OKC. Tried very hard to give it away at the end, but the three-point shot by Isaiah Joe at the buzzer fell just a little bit short. Pelicans improving to 30-28 and 28 on the season. Let's go to the hotline now. Randy, what's going on? Well, hey, I mean, you just gave a good microcosm of that game. Um, <clears throat> I started watching the Pelicans again after they beat the Lakers, and I looked at the box score, and I said, okay, maybe they're figuring it out now. Uh, now last night's a, an example of, again, th- this team can shoot, okay? They they were close to 70% from the field, if you don't count the arch, and they were outstanding from the free throw line. But they shot way too many threes. This is not how they've really done it for the four out of five that they've won. They uh, they shot too many, and their percentage was really low, and it essentially turns into turnovers. <clears throat> I watched them last night get up to almost a 20-point lead, and they were dominating two points at a time and with free throws. Then they got into that five-wide offense. They started missing, throwing the bricks. And uh, if they weren't throwing a brick from deep, they were driving the lane just to pass it out to the freaking three-point line, and the ball was getting stolen from them. And that's how OKC got back into that game. Um, if you look when they dropped a buck 36, I think it was, against the first-place caliber Kings team, they only shot like 26 three-pointers that night. And they scored 136 points. Uh, at, at some point, they've got to realize, you know, guys like Brandon Ingram, when he's healthy, Valanchunas on the inside, Larry Nance, uh, the, the defenses in this league are not stopping them. They're not going to. But you've got to play in the paint. This team has to play in the paint. Yep. They just simply stink at those three pointers. Yep, no, absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%, Randy. I appreciate the call. All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the numbers on the season, the Pelicans are, are, are sitting 35% as a team, which is honestly not that bad. I don't know where that ranks in the league, but 35% as a team is, is not horrible. They're shooting 48% from the field as a team. And that's not bad either. Um, now, I, I agree. I think the Pelicans shoot too many threes for, for the for the average. But Josh Richardson, I think, is going to help with the three-point game as, as time goes along. I know he was 0-4 last night. But James, only the second Pelican ever, well, Pelican slash Hornet, to have five steals in their debut. Josh Richardson became the second after Boogie Cousins did it the night he debuted with the Pels. You remember that? Remember when DeMarcus Cousins signed with the Pelicans and everybody said, Oh, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, here come the Pelicans. And (laughs) that was a funny time. (laughs) The Pelicans ranked 18th in three-point percentage. Okay, so middle of the road. Here's Slightly below average. But here's the thing. I'm not a fan of moral victories. I'm not. However, there's 12 teams below you. There's 12 teams below you. You could be one of the 12. And here's the thing. 
Randy was right about that because B.I., he was the one who was tied for the most threes in the game. Correct. On the Pels with three made ones. Correct. From three-point range. All those three were in the first quarter. And yeah. B.I. was B.I. And scored early the, first on in the 12 first, points. Early on in the first quarter, too. Yeah. He knocked down two threes, and that helped him get to 12 within the first three minutes of the game. And look, you, you know me. They play the Lakers tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Just beat the Lakers. Can we can we talk about the block party that the Pels had last night? Uh, Trey Murphy had three yeah. of them. Yeah? Eight as a team. I, I was surprised Trey Murphy. Like, I know you see a lot more often than you think you would. Like, I've seen Derek White have, like, two two block games mm-hmm. a good bit for the Pelican or for the Celtics. Like, I'll see some guys where I'm like, well, this guy's 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and it's like, you see it a lot of time. They get their blocks, like, really early on, and they, they get them in the paint. And it's like, yeah. They record a lot more blocks than you would think, and Trey Murphy having three. Jose getting one of himself. Herb, of course. Jackson Hayes only played two minutes. Well, Herb had steals, but... Jackson Hayes only played two minutes. I'm I'm still surprised they didn't trade him. I thought they would have. I just and and then you know you look at Willie Hernan Gomez doesn't play at all, and Jonas only played 25 minutes. So what? You went 21 minutes of small ball. Herb yeah, Jones. They Herb play, Jones was your big man. Well, they play a lot of Lance at the big man. Oh yeah, Larry Nance. I, I guess, but it's still that's they, so... they love putting Nance in the. At the five. I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I like Larry Nance, but he's not a five. I don't know. I guess that's just Willie Green's mentality. Uh, but I'm just, I've never been a fan of going that small in, in terms of playing small ball. But uh, it felt wh- like I watched a lot of the time with like Jonas or somebody else. Somebody would be at the top of the key mm-hmm. and they would just have a quick first step and you just look and like, they try to catch up after after yeah. a step, and they're like, "Never mind." <laughs> and then just uh, easy layup goes by, or it's like maybe there's a contest, but it's like they're just getting a lot. The, the Thunder was getting a lot of points in the paint last night, bro. Shea and that's Alexander, and the not making three pointers because you got thirty of them, but you only made nine, and you gave up a lot of points in the paint. It felt like they got there a little too often for my liking. It's like okay. Isaiah, there's a reason why it got a lot closer, and then they almost fumbled it. They almost yep. fumbled it. Trey just threw it because everyone was covering him, no one was moving. And then Isaiah Lee took one last shot, and luckily it didn't go in. But whew, man, Isaiah Joe, but yeah, Isaiah Joe, that's right. 16 points, he had four threes. You know, we talk about Shea Gilders Alexander all the time, the 24, 10, and 5 game that he had last night, and then. I mean, I'm a I'm a huge huge Josh Giddy fan. Huge. I, I want Josh Giddy on the. Pelicans. I've been one Josh Giddy. Fig, figure it out. Put Dyson Daniel. Put Josh Giddy. You have two Australians, and let's roll. We'll continue crunch time right after this. This is crunch time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
Delta Media Corporation is looking for self-motivated and hardworking individuals to join their team. Delta Media currently hiring a human resources manager to manage the HR department, hire, interview, administer pay, benefits, and more. And in addition, we are also looking to add an account executive. Training is available, and if you are interested, send your resume to jcochran at deltamediacorp.com. And Delta Media Corporation is an equal opportunity employer. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 523 here on your Tuesday the game hotline is 337-706-0111 wide open. James, looking at, and we're going to get to Kim Mulkey here in just a moment, but I saw a, a MLB conversation earlier, and it was rating the MLB teams off-seasons. It's off-season grades for all 30 teams. The Houston Astros getting a C plus. Now look, I'm not this guy that, oh, they're my team, so they're always the best. But you just won the World Series. You're keeping most of your core. Your batting lineup has been consistently talked about. The projected lineup for 2023 has consistently been talked about as one of the scariest the game of baseball has ever seen. You lose Justin Verlander, which is a big loss. It is pretty tough. And you also didn't have your GM. You didn't have a GM for a while. You didn't hire a GM until January. I get that. You did bring back Montero, though. You brought back Montero. You brought back Javier. You're, you brought back Michael Brantley. Still haven't heard from Yuli, but probably won't probably be back. moving on. Um, he's been linked to the Marlins lately. Uh, so but you did make that trade for um, Jose Abreu. You, you you acquired Jose Abreu. You got Jose Abreu, but you also got um, Bly. Oh yeah, Bly Madras. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, I, I thought it, it was it a was, strong off season. I think it was a solid off season. It was a C plus. I I I, I can understand that. I'd, I'd say it's a it's between a, a B minus and a C plus. Like I I can't disagree with it. It doesn't feel like the strongest offseason. It doesn't feel like you got somebody to replace like a Yuli or somebody at a significant position. But you still have your overall core. I still think the fact that you weren't able to get a new GM for a while that was a little bit concerning. It hurts. Which that to me that's why it hurts the grade a little bit. But to me, it's it's overall a fair assumption. And looking at it, this team is still really strong, even without the best offseason. Three teams got a grade of an A. Mm-hmm. The Philadelphia Phillies. They made the World Series. They mm-hmm. made some big additions. They got Trey Turner. They got Craig, Craig Kimbrell, Gregory Soto. They made some big additions. Josh Harrison as well. The other two, the Yankees and the Mets. Uh, some New York bias much? Maybe. We love hitting on the now. Northeast. Look, if you, if you look at the Mets, they got Justin Verlander. They also got Edwin Diaz. They re-signed Edwin Diaz. They got Tommy Pham. They re-signed Brandon Nimmo. They've gotten a great 
They've they've had a great offseason. So I'm I'm not mad at DA for the Mets. The Yankees, though? An A? An A minus, technically. You you re-signed Aaron Judge. What else did you do? Carlos Rondon, I mean, he he's a he's a solid pitcher, but that's not like jumping off the page. Oh my God, it's the New York Yankees. You re-signed Judge. You you brought back a streaky, inconsistent Anthony Rizzo, and you let Jamison Tyone walk. So I can I can see it now, James. The Yankees are gonna be forty-seven and twenty. One of the top teams in baseball. And then for for the simulcast viewers, here's the here here's the here's the description. It's all going to blow up. Again. Because it's the Yankees and that is what they do. So New York by as much. Have your A minus off season. We'll see you when you have your C plus regular season. But I digress on on that hill. Following their loss to South Carolina on Sunday, Kim Mulkey met with the media and talked about how this team really didn't know where they were going to be until this game. This game was a great gauge for them to figure out where they were. And there's tears to this. It's South Carolina and everybody else. Here's your thoughts on the game. Well, the worst thing you can do on the road is allow the home team to start from the tip. And we did. Uh, it just the tone for the whole game was set on the jump ball. And we didn't line up the way they were told to line up. Again, we got to teach. You got to learn. You got to make them understand. I thought we had fight in us to uh, cut it many times, and then we didn't have the experience to make a defensive stop or to get a big rebound. We all knew coming into the game that South Carolina was a piece towards, and uh, and it showed again today. Uh, I'll give my uh, just utmost respect and comments about how good they are, how big they are, how tall they are, how talented they are. Um, you know, I just, it's South Carolina, in my opinion, and everybody else. And I, my after playing them today, my opinion of that has not changed. They have things that we don't have and a lot of teams in the country don't have, and we aspire to be there one day. She also went on to discuss, you know, obviously when you're 23-0, and 0, you might be a little high on your horse, if you will, or, you know, maybe a little arrogant. And a loss can sometimes bring you back to reality. So she, Kim Mulkey was asked if this game was maybe a wake-up call for her team. I don't think it's a wake-up call, Chessa. I think it was a great gauge for me as a coach. If I play them again, there's things I wouldn't do. But I needed to let them go play. I needed to see freshmen in this moment. Um, I needed to to just say, okay, let's go see where we are. And I think we got a good gauge of where we are now. Uh, certainly when you're on the road and you got 18,000 screaming fans, you're at a disadvantage, but um, it's uh, it was something for me that, you know, I learned about our team and our individual players as well. And again, you know, looking at 
the the game, the eighty eight to sixty four defeat at the hands of of Don Staley in South Carolina. Kim Mulkey was asked, "What did you tell your players after the game to, to you know kind of keep the momentum where you needed to be down the final stretch of the season?" Well, I'd have to think all the things I said to them. Um, I asked them evaluate yourself individually on this big stage today and critique yourself. What can you do better next time you're on this big stage? Evaluate your teammates. Who did good today? If you thought you did good, raise your hand. And I think one kid raised her hand. Um, Learn from it. I talked to them about guts and grit and just determination and not just play the game to be playing it 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 you know and um things like that i tell them this is just one game there's goals we have and we've got to take tomorrow off and get ready for Ole miss and um be thankful that lsu was on this stage who in the world would have thought that we would be on this stage in year two of rebuilding the program. And you got to be a part of that. You got to be a part of that. You got to help us keep going and climbing to where we're someday where South Carolina is. Brendan Ertle joins us next. We'll talk Derek Carr, where the Saints could go if they don't get Derek Carr, and who should be drafted at number 29 right here on the game. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 537. It's time to talk to Black and Gold, the New Orleans Saints. They need a quarterback, but who? Let's talk with our guy, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. Brendan, what's going on, bud? How are you? What's up? Doing good. How are you guys? Oh, lovely. Lovely on this Tuesday. <laughs> so, Derek Carr has been released, which mm-hmm. kind of comes as a surprise to some people considering the stories that you were hearing about his visit to New Orleans in the last week. Um, But my, my question is, in your opinion... Him getting released, does that help or hurt the Saints? Um, I mean, that's a good question. I, I think it could go either way. And the the whole perception around the whole situation is it, it's really is a weird situation. It's not something we've really seen, you know, in recent years. Uh, you know, a top 15 quarterback uh, being pretty much cut for nothing and him probably not going to get traded. And the, the perception around, a lot, around the league was, yeah, there's less than a 1% chance he gets traded just because uh, of the contract, of the situation. Uh, he has complete and full control of where he goes. There's a hard, hard deadline to when he gets when he does get cut. So for him, um, the Raiders asking price is a third-round pick. Uh, of course, you're not going to jeopardize your future with a future contract, but you know you get to choose where you, where you go, and you don't want to hurt your team that you're going to go to in. You know, yeah, the Saints brought him in early, and they sat him down and had a conversation with him. And, you know, there was reports that maybe the Saints wanted him to take a pay cut. Uh, I don't know if that's true necessarily, but I'm sure the Saints did want to tweak his contract to make it more flexible for them, uh, whether that was taking less money or 
you know, changing up his guarantees. Um, I think that changes now, but I still think the Saints should be considered front runners and um, these next few days for, for Carr especially is going to be really important. And, um, you know, I, I have some other thoughts about it, but I think there's it's a, it's a real, really a three-team race right now. Is Derek Carr the best option for the Saints? No question. There's no question about it. Carr is the best option for the Saints. And the, the guy I've had in my mentions on um, everything is Lamar Jackson. And that's just not going to happen. It, it doesn't really make sense for the Saints. It doesn't really make sense for Lamar. Maybe if it was you know two off-seasons ago where, where you feel loaded um, on offense and defense, um, you have some some more flexible ways to, to save on the cap. You have a healthy Michael Thomas, maybe, but I'm not trading three first-round picks, and that'll be the price of it. Um, and the contract will be, you know, he'll probably want a fully guaranteed deal like uh, Deshaun got. Um, and some have compared the Derek Carr situation to to Deshaun, where the Saints brought him in and they couldn't get the deal done. And I, I, I don't think that was ever, you know, going to happen. I think the Saints would have liked to maybe – uh, trade him and, and get it done early. It's just kind of like a fast pass uh, is the way that Nick was describing it. It's like, yeah, you go to Disneyland and you can pay for the fast passes to skip the line. And it seems like that's what they were trying to do. But, you know, there was a report today that I think kind of got blown out of proportion that uh, the Saints are interested in Baker Mayfield. And that got thrown around all over the place. And really, if you go read the article, Albert Breer, who, who uh, posted it, said uh, the Saints have – the Saints could be a team to watch for Baker Mayfield because back in 2019, Sean Payton liked Baker Mayfield. That was that was what he wrote. So if you're not getting Derek Carr, uh, you're probably staring at Andy Dalton and potentially a rookie quarterback in the face, which is, you know, not not the worst situation, but it's definitely not one you want to be in. Let's say because the the top two quarterbacks you could say for free agency is Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr. Let's say the Saints don't get either of them. Mm-hmm. Would you? What would you rather? Would you rather see a Baker Mayfield come to the black and gold, or would you rather just run it back and just say, "We'll we'll just do it with what we can with Andy Dalton"? Well, here's what you got to think of: is if you're running it back with with Dalton, or you're bringing in Mayfield, you're you got to bring in someone else, and that would be probably someone in the draft, whether that's you know Hendon Hooker, his name's being thrown around a ton, uh, whether they trade up and get someone, or maybe they draft someone. You know, later in the draft, and more as like a project, like a DTR from UCLA. In that situation, I'm bringing back Andy Dalton because he's, you know, he's got all the the things that you'd want in a quarterback, and he he's done it. Um, but probably past his prime a little bit, and I think more of a teacher wise, I think you'd want Andy Dalton, kind of like Drew Brees, not comparing them, but you know, you had Drew in the room with Teddy, with Jameis. Um, I don't want Baker Mayfield teaching my next quarterback, and that would that would pretty much be what the situation was, or will be, is if you bring in Mayfield, uh, he's not going to be the guy long term. It's going to be a one year thing, and let's figure it out from there. And I, I I don't think that they'll end up going that road, and it's really not a road I'd want to go down. But the the situation we got to go through right now is, you know, there's about six or seven teams that are being thrown around in this Carr Rogers. Jimmy Garoppolo debate, and you kind of just got to match uh, situation with situation. Um, for the Saints right now, Eden Rapport saying it's um, 
Saints, Panthers, Jets, Titans for um, Derek Carr. Those are the four main teams right now. Look at the Titans. Is Carr that big of an upgrade over Ryan Tannehill? Like, are you going to move Ryan Tannehill and get rid of that contract for Derek Carr? I don't know. The Jets, they haven't completely given up on Zach Wilson yet. If you go get Carr, he's gone. It would make a lot more sense to me is if you go get Aaron Rodgers and work with him for two to three years and try to uh, figure Zach Wilson out. And then you have the Panthers, who could be very attractive to Carr. They got the money. They got a good coach. uh, But they also have the ninth pick in the draft. And I think that could be a prime spot for, you know, Stroud or Will Levis. So if we're looking at situation-wise, I think the Saints should be considered front runners, and I think they are. You know, one one thing that I that I find interesting when you look at the the different options is, you know, we we talk about how Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo are, are the top two options in, in free agency, and the reason that that is is because you you believe that the Ravens are going to bring Lamar Jackson back because how do you not? Mm-hmm. But one thing that's interesting. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to happen or that it's even likely to happen, but one thing to keep an eye on, you have not heard a word about the New York Giants' plans for the future with Daniel Jones. Hmm. Could Daniel Jones potentially be available? That's an interesting idea because they have Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley both pending free agents. So they have to sit down and they have to say, who should we spend the franchise tag on? And if I'm, you know, sitting in that front office, I'm probably spending that on Saquon Barkley. I'm not letting him leave my building, um, and I'm locking all the doors. Daniel Jones, I could, I could see them, you know, getting something done probably before free agency. But if you know, if there's complications um, in some kind of way, maybe uh, he hasn't done like a whole lot to really impress me. I mean, I'm taking Carr over Daniel Jones right now, but uh, he's developed kind of nicely under uh, Brian Dable in that offense. And, you know, they beat the Minnesota Vikings in the first round, and I saw him play in person, and he really is kind of a a great little runner, and they have a little offense figured out there. And uh, with these makeshift wide receivers, I I mean, Daniel Jones could be someone – and really, really anyone, if if one quarterback – situation goes a different way than we don't expect uh it shakes up everything you know i think carl will be the first domino and uh rogers will be right after that and that'll kind of shake up really how everything plays out now you know as we kind of look towards the nfl draft the saints currently have pick number 29 where do you think is priority number one, I mean, obviously it's going to depend on if you get Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo, because if you don't get either one of them, you're probably drafting a quarterback in the first round. But, you know, outside of, of quarterback, where do you think position of need number one is for the New Orleans Saints? I think regardless, you have to look at, um, it'll really depend on what they want to do with guys like Onyemata, guys like Davenport. I, at this moment, I think they probably let both walk but if you i mean things really do change outlook wise if you get a guy like Derek carr i mean if you get Carr, i'm probably trying to figure out a way to keep on yamada but even in that situation i'm still looking at defensive tackle i think defensive end is another position they have to look at 
Um, it's frustrating that we have to keep drafting these guys, but um, it's a real possibility. I think a low-key kind of need could be guard. Um, with all these cap casualties, I think maybe Pete could be one of the guys on the shopping Bye. block. We don't really know. Bye. Um, I, I think so. Maybe DT, guard, and even wide receiver. It depends on what happens to Michael Thomas. Um, but, you know, really, I, I'm just trying to get good football players right now. It doesn't really matter what position. I might take best available, and if, if it's a position I don't really need, um, I still might do it because we we really were uh, surprised last year when they took Alante Taylor in the second round and then ended up working pretty pretty good for us, and he stepped in for Adebo and Lattimore and played really good football. So I think this team just needs good football players on the roster and, and young talent and you know, whoever slides, you know, you'd love to have that 10th overall pick, but just having a first-round pick in general will be really big for this team. Pondwater's got to go. <laughs> and Andrews Pete has got to go. I don't care if you would only get a seventh and a loaf of bread for him. Done. Done deal. I, I agree that this team sits at a position where you need players that you're paying money to play. And that starts with Michael Thomas and Davenport. And it goes on to Andrew Speed. Those guys aren't playing right now. You can't be paying them. Yep, absolutely. Brendan Ertle joining us here on the Game Hotline. Brendan, appreciate you as always. Season's coming back around soon. We'll talk again. Yes, sir. We'll wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The LSU men's basketball team will look to get back on track as the Tigers travel to Athens to take on the Georgia Bulldogs. Pre-game begins at 6.30 and tip is scheduled for 7. And you can listen to all the action right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrapping up today's show, you gotta love Valentine's Day because sports franchises try to get in on the fun. So here's what we're gonna do. James has the Pelicans. I have the Saints. James, I'm going to go first. I'm going to read you what the Valentine's card says. And you have to guess the player that's on it. Okay. Your next level. Cam Jordan. Righto. I'll always be running back to you. Alvin Kamara. Okay. You make me feel like the man of the year. <laughs> Tomario Davis. Mm-hmm. I, this one's easy. I <laughs> alave you very much. Oh, man, I wonder who that could be. Uh, Chris Olave, maybe? I get a kick out of you. Will Lutz. No is it punt Blake? intended. Oh, okay. Blake Gillikin. Okay. Picked just for you. Hmm. Tyron Matthew? Oh, look at you! The only one that got interceptions for the Saints this year. You're running through my mind. Another running one. Uh, I don't think it's Mark. Uh, it's not. Running through my mind. Is it Taysom? Rashid Shahid. Rashid. That's fair. And would you be mine? Zach would. Yes, sir. All right. I got you. Won't you be mine? 
Brandon Ingram. Yep. Okay. I'd roll the dice for you. Roll the dice. This is a good one. <laughs> I have no idea. Dyson Daniels. Oh, that is good. <laughs> you like that one? That is good. You make my heart swish. CJ. Yes. Okay. I really love you. <laughs> Willie Hernan Gomez. Save the last Nance for me. Larry Nance. That's clever. That's a good one. Uh, you're not going to get that one. Um, That's rude. I looked at it. I was like, what? You're an all-star. Zion. Yeah. You stole my heart. Jose Alvarado. Yep. Love you five ever. Five. Herb Jones. You're a slam dunk. Oh. This was it. Huh? Jonas? No. It's someone someone that's actually had a lot more dunks than you would anticipate. It's not Jonas. It's not a big. So it's a guard. Yes. Hmm. Guard for the Pels. Is it Trey Murphy? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. All right, Trey. I was running out of people, so let me count all the haze. I love you. And and now and now I really I really have to preface this. I have not seen the Pelicans once, so it's not like this is like scripted. Um, Hayes, Jackson Hayes. Yeah, that's it. That's all I hey, got for you. We we both did pretty well. Yeah. LSU basketball. Does the streak end tonight? No. Oh. Sadly. Yeah. Sadly, I know. There were a couple other ones. This one I love because it's just so ruthless. Juju tweeted, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And it was the one for James Bradbury. I'll hold you whenever it matters most. (laughs) That's fantastic. I want to thank our guests, Noah Frary and Brendan Ertle, for joining us today. James Mesh, the producer extraordinaire. Appreciate everything you do for James Mesh. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Hug your mom and them. Hug your wife and them. Have a hell of a Valentine's Day. And we'll be back tomorrow, 4 to 6. Same station, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. LSU men's basketball. Pre-game tips off in half an hour right here on the game.